I'm Barb Robitaille. I invite you to join me in the radical act of getting quiet. I met Leonard and Vesta when I was 16. I was wandering through the local Saturday market on my lunch break and looked up to see two smiling faces waving me over to their booth. Leonard was a weaver, and I mean he was a weaver whose work was unlike any I'd ever seen before, or since for that matter. This was back in the day when most weaving looked more like macrame plant hangers. Yes, we're talking the 70s. But when I saw these placemats and blankets woven so finely and with such unusual patterns, I was sold. I spent my paycheck on a set of placemats and a few of Vesta's framed, burlapped, matted Tasha Tudor cards, an illustrator who often included corgis in her images and was a favorite of mine. I vowed to save up for one of Leonard's blankets. I began visiting their booth every Saturday, and they would occasionally stop in the gift shop where I worked to say hello and bring me cookies. Vesta would set a tin of those Danish butter cookies on the counter, and she'd insist I try her favorites. An unlikely friendship shaped itself between us. Leonard and Vesta were in their 80s, and yet they had more energy than most people I knew, and certainly felt more alive than my parents definitely happier. They seemed to glow in their matching plaid shirts, which, believe me, they are the only two people I've ever known that can pull that matching look off. And you know, it sounds strange, but I could feel them before I saw them. Sometimes I'd be at the counter doing something, or I'd be in the window arranging a a display, and I would just know to look up, and there they were. It's almost like they were on a different frequency, and it was certainly one I was drawn to. They were the type of people who just made life better. They radiated joy. I began visiting them at their home. They lived in a log cabin on 20 acres, about a 45-minute drive, but anticipating the pleasure of their company made each mile welcome. I looked forward to seeing them. Being in their home that was as unique as they were, it was filled with stories. And their couch cushions, Leonard actually wove their couch cushions, not just the pillows, but the couch cushions. I'd never seen anything like it. There was a spinning wheel that belonged to Ulysses S. Grant's mother. And there was a cauldron hanging by the fire, one that would eventually be left to me. And Robbie, their dog, always under Vesta's feet or curled up by her chair. And here, we would sit by the fire and talk, sharing treats and listening to their stories and their interest in me and my life, something I craved. I would watch Leonard thread his loom, fascinated by the process. I'd spend hours watching him, his skill And I was mesmerized then by the rhythm of the loom once the threads were set and he began to weave. On one visit, Leonard wanted to head out to the garden to pick raspberries. It was a sunny day and the raspberries were ripe. 
You could smell them in the heat of the sun. And Leonard handed me a burlap sack and said, we'll use these to kneel on as we pick. They are our prayer pads. I smiled as he knew I would. And they were. We ate as many berries as we put in the bowl that nestled between us. And Leonard shared his stories of being at Amherst with Robert Frost as one of his teachers. And he started reciting bits of poems that he remembered. But mostly, we were quiet that afternoon as we worked our way down the row. And at one point, Leonard asked if he could share something with me. He said he thought it might help me. He knew it would. I listened as he went on to tell me that he had always been a worrier and felt anxious much of the time, always worrying about something. Even the tiniest things would set him off on a spiral of worry. Even though he knew worrying wasn't constructive and that he wasted a lot of time and energy worrying about many things that didn't happen. Most things didn't happen. He discovered a way to change his habit of worrying. He said that he started telling himself, everything is all right right now. Whenever he felt himself beginning to spin out in panic or go down that rabbit hole with worry, he told me it was always true, even in moments when he was afraid and in a place of anxiousness or panic in a situation. Everything is all right right now. Hmm, I thought. The phrase was easy enough to remember, and I had nothing to lose. And there was something in the way Leonard's bright blue eyes stared into mine that made me aware that this mantra was being given as a gift, wrapped with intention and wisdom. I'd spent most of my 16 years living in a state of heightened anticipation of what would happen next at home, at school, anywhere I was. I didn't honestly believe that what Leonard was saying could be true, at least not for me. But his words stuck with me, and I began to test them. I, th I think, actually, in a way, I felt I would prove him wrong. I noticed a few things as I went about adopting the habit of saying, everything is all right right now. When I felt myself ramping up, I said it a lot. First, I noticed I had to become aware that I was feeling anxious. This awareness was the first step in shifting away from my default place of worry and fear. I had to tune into my body, into my thoughts and emotions in a new way. Second, that pause allowed me to take a breath, to realize I was still breathing, to show up in that moment only, just that moment. Third, I would then say, everything is all right right now. And every single time it was. No matter how hard I tried to prove otherwise, 
if I remained truthful, everything was actually all right. Showing up to that one moment, in a way as an observer, expanded my perspective in new ways, allowing me to move out of being in a reactive state. Now, this didn't translate into being suddenly at peace and chill with whatever situation was unfolding around me. But I was able to discern that actually, in truth, in that moment, I was okay. This allowed me to bring a different focus to the situation, to find my breath, to open me into a place in myself where I could figure out if there was anything I could do to change what was happening and to let it go if there wasn't a single thing I could do to make the situation better. And sometimes there were things I could do to alter the situation a little bit. I was able to surrender to what I could not change and recognize that I did that from a calmer, more centered place in myself. I wasn't denying what was, at times, genuine trauma. Instead, though, I was allowing what was to be and letting go of thinking I could change things that I couldn't. The fear I carried began to lessen, to reduce to a slow simmer. Leonard's gift to me that day in the raspberry patch changed my life. My inner landscape became calmer and deeper as I shifted away from fear. No longer a place filled solely with anxiety and worry, my imagination spinning stories of what might happen, but instead became a quiet place to draw wisdom from. My first experience of what it means to be quiet, to be present. What would it feel like to bring yourself into a way of being that embraces inner quiet, to experiencing life being fully present? Does entertaining such an idea feel impossible or too hard? What I can say is that it does take practice to shift patterns of behavior. It also means tolerating feeling uncomfortable. I can guarantee the uncomfortable bit. Trust me, I know. I also know the freedom that comes with practicing presence. Here are three ideas for you to try. First of all, give Leonard's mantra a try. It's the real deal. Trust me, it's the real deal. Everything's all right right now. Don't roll your eyeballs. Say it over and over. Two, as you go through the day, tell yourself what is happening and be specific. For example, right now I'm washing this cup. Right now I'm holding this cup of tea. Right now I'm folding this towel. Bring your awareness to what it is you're doing or seeing. This keeps your mind from thinking about what already happened 
or what is going to happen. So you're not in the past. You're not in the future. Not three steps back or three steps forward. You're only taking this one step. Staying steady in this one step. Fully present in this one moment. And three, take time to rest. To allow yourself to gaze gently at the world around you. In full being mode. Leave the doing behind, even for a few minutes. Savor a few quiet moments in your day. Everything's all right, right now. The pilgrimage into presence experience I'm offering in September offers a passport into aligning with a life lived from being present to ourselves, each other, and the world. Visiting each aspect of ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, we are going to take a deep dive into this human journey with our souls guiding us into shaping a new way forward in these times of uncertainty and evolution. You can learn more about the experience on my website, talkwithbarb.com. Until next time, let's live and lead from love.